So Lucy and Ellie, welcome to the Every Mind podcast. I don't think I've done an episode with two people, so um, this is this is the first. But no, um, welcome to you both, and really excited to have you here today. So, as always, I think it would be really good to to kick things off with a little bit of an, an introduction from each of you. So, if you don't mind, we'll start with you, Ellie. Um, if you can tell us a little bit about kind of what you do currently, we'll talk about the passion for mental health um a little bit after that. But just give us the surface level version. Oh yeah. Um, hi, so my name's Ellie. Um, I work at Palego and I am our commercial talent partner and I also work across quite a lot of our people operations and partnering as well. Amazing, amazing. How about you Lucy? Uh, I also work for Palego, um, which just a little bit of context, it's a um, global online learning library um, and essentially we provide subscription models um, where students or professionals can access nearly a million um, books or for kind of a monthly price. Um, so what I do within Pelego is um, I'm curation manager. So I have the fun job of getting to go through the library every day and look at the books and try and promote authors and books and publishers. So super exciting. That is cool. It's really cool. I didn't know that. And again, we reached out because we know that you're doing a lot of incredible work for, for mental health and wellbeing in the organization. And we wanted to kind of touch on that in today's, in today's podcast. So um, just hearing a little bit about kind of your, your strategy and your focus and, and some of the initiatives that you've run in the organization that's been successful. But also when we had our sort of brief chat, which we've already said seems like a long time ago, um, also sort of realized that we all have a, a strong passion for mental health. You know, I share very openly about my own experiences as an organization. We're very focused on, you know, vulnerability and trying to open up the conversation of, of mental health. And I know that you kind of um, shared that you have a passion too. So I think it would be really good to, to start there as well. Again, if you don't mind sharing what you feel comfortable to share um, in terms of where your passion for mental health and well-being comes from um and again sort of start with you um ellie if you don't mind sure um i think a lot of it comes from kind of my own personal experiences with with my mental health i think i i struggled quite a lot particularly through like high school and my early 20s with kind of anxiety and with with also depression as well so a lot of it comes from kind of wanting to help people who find themselves in that similar situation um, but also, I mean, I'm just a massive people person anyway, so I love doing anything that kind of positively benefits the people that I am around or that I'm working with. So being able to be at Palego and, and work with Lucy actually has been such a really wonderful experience because she's so focused on, on how to improve the lives of people at Palego and how to make space for people. It's really, it's been lovely. Sorry, Lucy, to give you a little <laughs> <laughs> a little shout out there but it's true um so yeah I think my my passion very it is very personally motivated but having felt some of the things that I felt I personally don't want other people to be mm. in that situation or to feel like they're stuck in that situation if, if they have those thoughts yeah for sure and thank you for sharing and um it's 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 incredible like you say I think working in organizations if if you have people focused on people it, it has massive massive impacts and we'll talk about that later but again I think a lot of people that I speak to that have experiences like yours you know they know how it feels and they want to they want to do more to help other people as well so um really appreciate you sharing there how about how about you Lucy so similar thing really obviously personal experiences but for me I guess my first kind of insight into mental health was through family um and then kind of understanding how watching someone improve um so my my dad for example 
never really realized that he struggled with his mental health and he was very angry um when I was a child when I was growing up um and just sort of very very anxious about everything and it it really put a downer on a lot of experiences that should have been really fun for us as a family and that meant that we had a very difficult relationship when I was growing up and then he went to the doctors um they put him on antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication and it changed his life he's like a completely different person now um and obviously the anxiety is still there but it's he understands it a lot better and and watching the change that he went through and then feeling that myself when I um, started taking medication to help with my anxiety um, just really put it into perspective about how having mental health issues can change your behavior and actually like a lot of people I think are misunderstood um, because they don't really understand what they're going through or the perception that other people have of them um, means that they might not necessarily resistant to help but also people might not be willing to help because they don't really understand what's going on um so all those experiences kind of really taught me that it's so important to talk about mental health and to raise awareness and to educate people because there's so many of us in the world that are struggling with similar issues and you feel so much less alone if you realize that actually it's not all that strange it's actually quite a common thing um and talking about it can help you share sort of um experiences and ways of coping um and that's kind of why I'm so passionate about um raising awareness of mental health and ensuring that we have an open culture to to discuss um issues and, and strategies and support each other mm, yes and again thank you for sharing and it's I think you touched on a really good point there in terms of we have to have the awareness and the understanding first before we we kind of know what to do if that makes sense so you know, everyone talked a lot about prevention and intervention, but actually awareness still plays a very pivotal part in that because unless we understand what's going on or why we react in this way, like you say with your dad, you know, it's very difficult for us to even know what sort of treatment or what support we actually need um, Mm. at that time as well. Um, If you don't mind, again, if we sort of keep on the personal route um, so far, and again, you know, come back to you, Ellie, like what, if you think about how open you potentially are now, like in Mm. the organization, here already sort of talking about your own experiences you know was was you always like that or you know if you can talk about how difficult it might have been previously for you to talk especially like you say in your early 20s and and really as well was there like a a turning point for you that made you a lot more open like you are today yeah for sure um I think as much as I try really hard to be an advocate for for mental health and for the mental health um things that we do in the company I actually don't know that I would even say that I've actually been that open at Palego here I don't know that I could confidently walk into a room and say everyone here probably understands what I've suffered with because I I don't think that they do so for me personally I think there's probably a lot more that I could do um and a lot more that I could share um I think what I have really focused on is trying to make space for other people and maybe fallen down a little bit on that on that sharing context and you know sharing why you should why you should listen to me and chat with me and really focused on yeah giving people the the space um in terms of maybe more of like outside of Palego I yeah I'm very open with my friends and with my family all the time I think being able to share with people what's going on and why you're feeling the way that you do and how you know sometimes everyone needs to well maybe not but sometimes everyone needs to step away right and I find myself sometimes going into these little spirals where I'm I don't want to talk to anyone for weeks on end and being able to openly say to your friends like I'm really sorry this is what I'm going through has 
changed my relationships immensely and it means that you know my friends actually feel like they're my friends and not like I'm just suddenly disappearing um and I think that that change came for me probably quite recently within the last four years or so I don't think anything triggered it I don't think there was an event that maybe led to that stage I I think I was reflecting a lot on myself and my low points and how that affected me outside of just the way that I felt in my head and how it affected those around me and I realized that I could do so much better for for those who want to support me that I don't let in um Mm. and yeah like I said it's completely revolutionized my relationships all of them my friends my family like romantic relationships it's completely changed because Mm. I now do try actively to share and to be open um which I think really relates to what you were saying before Lucy that it is so important just to talk because and people can't help if you don't let them in right Mm, 100% if you don't mind as well before we go to Lucy is you know because I think this is a really key part of what we're about to get to as well what would you say the the difference is between friends family personal life to you and then work because you know we talk a lot about stigma outside of the workplace society friends family everything else but you put that into the workplace and stigma becomes you know even harder to manage because of I don't know performance or or, or Mm. judgment that we might feel so what would you say is the most difficult part of potentially being more open in the workplace? Yeah, I think the reason that people find it a lot more stigmatizing is because they do think it will reflect on their performance and on their, Mm. the way that they're perceived kind of in the company and the relationships that they can build. Um, I think the reason that maybe I'm not that open is probably, or I, I don't actively not be open, but the reason that maybe I have been less open than I could is a, to make space for other people, because I do, I do want other people to feel like they can tell their story and I don't want to just be me <laughs> talking all the time. Um, but I think as well, just by nature of the job that I do, I kind of, I do get a little bit wary about it because I don't want people to feel like, yeah, they can't come to me or I worry about, I guess that perception as well within my, my role specifically as part of like a people and recruitment team. Um, Cause there's quite a lot of pressure on it and I don't want people to misconstrue that. Mm, that makes sense and again I think that's a real challenge isn't it that a lot of us have when it Mm. comes to the advice of bring your whole self to work you know it's difficult because you know I definitely always say you know the way that I um, am with my team is very different to the way that I would be with my wife and therapists and and everything Mm. else I think you know vulnerability there's so many different different layers to it and and really appreciate you sharing Um, how about how about you Lucy sort of what you know, how difficult was it for you to potentially not feel like you can talk about it? And, and was there a turning point that allowed you to as well? I can't really remember what I felt like before I say before, I don't really know if I'm speaking of a specific time, but I remember kind of the, when I was really struggling in university, um, my university was really good at providing um, free um, counseling services. So um, there was a sort of fairly long wait list, but it actually wasn't anywhere near as bad as I've heard that the NHS ones are. Um, So after sort of a few counselling sessions, I think that's when it really hit home that talking is so important Mm -hmm. and not just because there's a professional who can give you advice, just because they're asking the right questions and actually giving you mechanisms that you can help, you can use to help yourself. So it's about enabling the person that's struggling to 
to be able to continue to help themselves even if they're no longer going to therapy and I think that for me made me realize that it's not even about someone being in a position to give you advice because I to this day even as sort of a mental health advocate don't necessarily feel qualified to give advice but I think it's about as you say Ellie being making space for people and creating an environment that makes them feel comfortable sharing um, and being able to relate to other people who have had similar or different experiences and knowing that there's no consequence or no judgment uh, for speaking out about things and I think it's really interesting what you were saying about like it revolutionizing your your relationships and I think it all comes down to this idea of vulnerability and actually like being authentic and genuine and vulnerable improves your relationships because it helps other people relax around you and it builds that trust that isn't necessarily there if you if you're if you feel like you have to hide a part of yourself and I think that's that's probably the difference between home and work or social life and work is that the workplace will always have some sort of trust barrier because it is it's people that you don't necessarily choose to know and also it's everything kind of comes down to to um performance and Mm. office politics whereas you it's slightly different in your social life so I think that's that's probably the barrier that's then is that you can try your best to to create an environment of where people feel safe and where people feel like there's a sense of trust but I don't know whether we'll ever be able to make it perfect yeah yeah no for sure that makes sense I do think sorry just to add a comment I think actually something that maybe I I feel like I do this and maybe you also can resonate with it a little bit Lucy but as someone consciously trying to make space for other people and also part and parcel of the role that I do where I am as a people person like the support system for the company um I do consciously maybe try and hold back a little bit of that so that other people can have their time and so that yeah I I I was just kind of thinking as you spoke like I think thinking of myself as like someone who needs to be there to listen I don't want to maybe show that weakness because I don't want people to feel like they're a burden if they do choose to speak to me or like that they'll be putting too much on my plate even regardless of what I am feeling at the time and I think that that's probably a position we've both put ourselves in where we we kind of take ourselves out of the equation a little bit yeah which is good that's that's also really interesting from the perspective of giving space to voices that aren't always heard because I think a lot of the time that we try and advocate and ask volunteers to to talk about experiences it's usually the same people and it's usually the people that are already aware and already sort of passionate about mental health and it's how do you break out of that cycle because obviously you want to raise awareness but it's always the same people talking about it so how do you give space to the people that don't really feel comfortable or have never had an opportunity to talk about it without forcing people to it's so difficult yeah for sure no it's, it's really interesting and I think we'll come on to that because it'll be good to find out kind of you know as you've both highlighted your roles within the organization and how that's that's helping your, your colleagues but I think there's the subject of vulnerability is a really really interesting one because you know when when I think about vulnerability in the workplace in particular it comes back to like old advice that I was given of like leave your personal stuff at home don't bring it to work with you right so you know already as you've said there's like programming and barriers that exists in the workplace but then I think the biggest conversation that you know I'm trying to have a little bit more in the sessions I deliver especially sessions for senior managers is vulnerability comes in many different forms like 
you guys have been vulnerable talking about experiences of anxiety and and you know challenges that you've had in family dynamics and etc that's a form of vulnerability but I always say a form of vulnerability in the workplace is also saying I don't know what that abbreviation means or mm. um, I've sent you this email and I, actually I shouldn't have sent this I should have done it this way and and kind of like being vulnerable in that way and it's like that huge spectrum and whenever we get talking about it and I say to people you know what when was a time that you felt you know vulnerable and vulnerable is that you made a mistake or you was judged or there was a feeling of shame there's such a variety of different answers and I think as, as you both highlighted the workplace comes with barriers and I think that's okay you know as a senior leader as you know someone myself I don't feel like I need to disclose everything to my team you know there's there's a there's a level of vulnerability that I want to share yeah. but I also want to be in control of that because as you've both highlighted there's also a level of vulnerability that I want to show to my wife, to my therapist. And like, there's a lot more to me that I probably wouldn't even tell any of them. Right. Yeah. Cause you've got to work through that yourself. So vulnerability, I think is really important in the workplace. And I think people sometimes, you know, see that as, Oh, I've got to tell everyone all of my deepest problems and, and cry all of the time, but actually it's not, there's, there's layers to it, isn't there? There's a duty of care as well. Um, I think it's, it's important, important, but also incredibly difficult to strike a balance between oversharing or, yeah. or perhaps burdening someone or or creating an environment where everything feels not doom and gloom but there's a sort of a negative ethos and mm. I, and then the, the flip side of that being really defensive and closed off and I think if you can kind of find a happy balance mm. where your people feel comfortable sharing but also are aware of who they share it with and mm. in what context um because obviously there's there's always triggers for for people as well um so yeah again a, a very difficult balance to strike but I think it's there's no harm in getting it wrong and then learning from it and I think that's that's probably the main issue with why these conversations don't get started because people are so worried about saying or doing the wrong thing and think that they're not qualified to have that conversation but actually saying nothing is almost as as bad as kind of condoning um yeah. mental health so I think it's as with anything um with grief as well a lot of people don't know what to say to someone who's just lost someone but actually if you say I'm not very good at this but how can I be there for you you're giving that person the space and the freedom to ask for help if they need it um, yeah. and to set the support on their own terms um because everyone is is an individual at the end of the day yeah makes sense and and i think with all of this you know it'll be really good to know kind of what you're doing in in the business because a lot of people that will listen to this might be in hr or or interested in kind of how can they improve mm. mental health in in their organization in their workplace so um feel free whoever wants to share can you give us a kind of an outline in, on maybe like what your focus is when it comes to mental health and well-being maybe some of the initiatives and is there anything that kind of like started it? Because, you know, every company's on a journey. Was there something that started it? And yeah, just give us like a top top level um, approach to what you're doing in the business. I think Lucy, it would be great if you could share some of the things you started with few because I, I just think they're so amazing. Um, so I'll, I'll sort of give a bit of a, an outline about how it started. And I think Ellie would be a really great person to, to discuss um, the third party company we use because um, she's a massive advocate for that. <laughs> Um, so as with any kind of good intention, it had a quite a sad beginning, um, a very valued and 
um, much loved member of the company in, in our early days, soon after I joined um, two, two and a half years ago, um, ended up having to leave the company um, for mental health issues. Um, and I think he, he ended up going to Japan for a bit and just spending some time completely disconnected from everything in order to, to, to understand sort of how, how he could get help. Um, and it really hit a lot of people in the company hard, um, especially our CEO. Um, and I think it it kind of kickstarted this awareness of we need to do something about this before it gets to the point where someone has to leave because they're so burnt out and overworked. Um, so a few of us kind of realized that we we're passionate about mental health and we kind of clubbed together and it it evolved into our mental health squad, um, which is currently called Fuse. That's um stands for Pelego Health and Emotional Wellbeing. Um, and we it, it has evolved over time, but it essentially grew out of a general desire within Pelego to prioritize employee health and well-being. Um, and we figured that it would serve two roles essentially. So one of them being providing psychological and emotional support and resources for individuals who need them. And then the other side being nourishing our team culture and social relationships with each other with the aim of just increasing general happiness um, and well-being at work. Um, so then we kind of split off. We've, we've now got a social committee which kind of changes on a um, quarterly basis and then we've we've got the mental health squad which people can join or leave as and when they they feel comfortable um so ellie do you want to sort of chat about the how spill came about yeah well actually so spill was in place when i joined but spill has been one of the i think is one of the best tools out there slash that we have um at palego for for our employees and for their mental health um spill is a service that provides essentially counseling and um, therapy services to employees and so they can sign up for a one-off session or they can sign up for a course of um, sessions over I think it's six weeks isn't it Lucy um, depending on what they need and they can sign up as and when and whenever they need and the company kind of pays on a size of the company basis um, and I think having access to SPIL has been amazing for so many people because I think therapy is one of those things that no one realizes they need until they need it <laughs> um, or until they have it. Sorry. I think having access to that as a tool that they can access whenever and on, you know, their own time and their own space from the comfort of their own home has been really, really helpful. Um, it's all video services, so they don't have to go in anywhere or yeah. And there's no cost to them, which I think is a huge barrier for a lot of people beginning therapy. Um, and we get such good feedback on it. It's, I mean, I've used Spill a lot and it's great. <laughs> the people that they have there are just so wonderful and easy to talk to. And it's amazing. I cannot sell Spill enough. <laughs> to anyone listening, get Spill. <laughs> no, it's really, it's really good to hear. And I think what we what we tend to see with with organizations is a lot of them go straight down the therapy route. Mm. Um old school ways and still a lot of organizations do this traditional ways is employee assistance programs like oh you know call this hotline or or book six counseling sessions and and they just throw it down people's throats and then they they don't know why people are not using it and and it's the same with like, i'm sure spill or or yeah. coaching all of this stuff that i'm a big advocate for you're a big advocate for um the businesses like implement it and they expect magic to happen mm -hmm. but i think what you guys have done well is you've also got like the network of employees that are also driving the conversation and allowing people to see that spill is actually a really good tool to use because like you just said everyone needs therapy like therapy is fine like let's go and yeah. speak to people mm -hmm. and i think that's where potentially 
there's a really good balance. Like as an organization, we definitely focus more on that stigma part of strategy yeah. because we always say without tackling stigma, like you're not going to get the engagement of the initiatives that you're launching anyway. Um, so have you seen that to be the case as well? Like when you combine the two, you've seen like engagement rise for spill, but also more and more conversations through the network that you've created as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so the the desire behind launching Spill was because we we looked into getting mental health training for few the few squad, um, and it, it is very expensive. But also, it's I think a lot of us felt that we weren't. It would be nice to have like a third party who were objective and who want anything to do with work, um, because I what we assumed was that a lot of people would feel more comfortable having a conversation outside of work and being able to take that into their own hands which is what spill allows it it's integrated into slack but it's very much on your own terms nobody knows you're doing it um so we we went down that route just to kind of see how it would pan out and it, it worked wonderfully but we were keen to balance that with emphasis on building a culture of well-being and and as you say destigmatizing mental health because without the, the culture of openness and awareness within the company like as you said like people don't really understand why therapy is important why it's useful and also wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable talking about it and and it's great that spill is private but we didn't want to make people feel like they couldn't talk about mental health just because spill was was a third party so it's yeah it's about balancing the two and creating an internal culture as well as outsourcing the support that we didn't necessarily feel qualified to give yeah I think it's so important as well because like what your role is and and we we train like champions and you know we do a lot of work with managers and and as as you have already highlighted we always say you're you have to know where your responsibility ends and you have to set boundaries so if I'm a champion and I can share my story which I do I'm always then signposting <laughs> it's always then that you have to there has to be a time where you signpost to a professional or someone that can help which is yeah. where again like spill or something like that would then then come in too so no I think it's a really really good um, thing and what kind of you know impact have you seen in, in the organization have you seen like it's always hard to track right it's more is there more of an open culture is there more conversations happening I think it's yeah, it's not something I would say we have like hard and fast data on. I know that um, we do have, and I'll let Lucy talk about, um, we do have a, a survey, um, which we do for, for mental health and to kind of gauge how people are feeling within the company and what we could be doing better mm. um, or what people want more of. But I think one thing that's been really noticeable since I joined has been, yeah, people's willingness to get involved with things. Um, we recently had... Um, through Mental Health Awareness Week, we had we held an event called a Tea and Talk, um, nice. and we did a kind of a traffic light theme. So everyone was invited to this Tea and Talk, and we had cakes and tea, obviously. <laughs> um, but we provided stickers, so you, people could put a little sticker on their cup as to green, like yes, I'm really open to having a conversation around mental health. Orange, like maybe if you bring it up with me, it'll be okay, but I'm not going to instigate it and read as please don't talk to me about mental health mm. um and we had a little traffic like kind of a half hour which was really nice and so many people got involved which i think before maybe people would have just been scared not necessarily scared off but i think people would have been more hesitant about anything that was kind of billed as like a mental health event and i think yeah the openness around that was really wonderful and there were some really nice conversations that were had during the day as well so 
I think those kind of soft touch things that we do have, have been really impactful. And it does also give us a chance to remind people what, what other resources are available. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the survey, we, we did one last year during Mental Health Awareness Week, and um, it was designed to kind of gauge how people are feeling, but also to, to get feedback about how we can improve um, our mental health initiatives within the company. Um, and obviously, we didn't get kind of like everyone thing it out, um, but out of sort of 25 um, complete responses, um, we kind of looked at, at the feedback, the quantitative and qualitative feedback that was provided, and um, I kind of like colour-coded what people were, were mentioning in their responses and there were 16 out of 25 people specifically mentioned work or the workplace as being like a an area they found sort of challenging when it comes to their mental health and well-being and I don't think it was specifically about our company but just it just went to show that how many like mental health isn't necessarily something that's talked about in the workplace but it's so central to work mm. because like we're stressed we're under pressure we're constantly being expected to perform our best um, and yeah, like the amount of people that, that talked about it. So it it just really highlighted for us the importance of, of the work that we're doing. Um, but then on the flip side of that, like some of the open-ended questions we asked, people um, were talking a lot about the fact that they felt like they couldn't be totally honest about mental health issues or concerns at work. And even if they were speaking to their peers about it, they weren't speaking to their managers about it. And, and one of the final questions we asked was like, we asked people to, to rate to rank in order what they would like us to work on next and something that came up really high was manager awareness training mm. um so again it's that like breaking down the boundaries of of who you feel comfortable talking to and, and having a safe space but also we realized that we had to separate conversations of performance from conversations of mm. development and personal growth and that's actually something that the people team have really worked on um yeah. this this year and especially over the last six months it's really great to see how the mental health initiatives can actually have a like concrete impact material impact on on the sort of the functioning of, of the company mm. Mm. yeah so true and I, I love the fact that you're splitting up the performance element with the mental yeah. health element because like I, I tend to see it happen where managers are like okay I need to ask them how they're feeling mm. I'm going to do it as part of this performance review and it doesn't take it doesn't take you know anyone for a second to realize there is zero intent with you actually asking me how I'm feeling right now like this is a a question that you've been told to ask me as part of this check-in whereas like you've said if managers have some and they don't have to have extensive training like as long as they've got some basic awareness basic understanding and they have some some empathy some vulnerability and you know those questions then just start happening more naturally in conversations and is, is that why you've tried to split them up because you don't want it to look forced um, I'm actually so proud of what we've done with our feedback and performance reviews. So I'm going to tell you all about it. No. No. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've completely, as Lucy said, split out kind of feedback sessions um, and performance conversations. And we have also done a whole set of kind of light touch and more intensive um, manager training as well. So performance is now done twice a year and it's kind of done as a career review we all know that that is the subject of the conversation and we're all kind of really well prepped for those conversations um and then we also have twice a year completely separately like a 360 feedback review where we have we give people the space to get like a full really well-rounded picture of their growth and their development from their peers and their managers and their direct reports and all of that is um yeah as I say, completely delinked from their performance. Um, and in those conversations, that's where we're more likely to kind of talk about their mental health and things like that. And 
I think those are the, the areas that people feel a little bit more like they can share freely. Um, but also alongside the feedback side of things, we've done a lot of training on how to properly give feedback because that can be quite an anxiety inducing thing for people, especially more junior people in a company who don't want to give feedback to their manager and are really worried about that kind of um, the power imbalance there. So we've done a whole lot of training about how to give and receive feedback, the intent that comes with feedback and all of that as well. So I can go on about this for hours, um, but that's been really, really positive, I think, for people's like the way that people understand their not their place in the company but so that people can have a really good understanding be really well prepared for whatever conversation they're having mm. um and then we've also tried to encourage our managers to have more ad hoc conversations around mental health and well-being and to not bring them up in any performance related conversation it should always come up in kind of like a weekly one-to-one or a check-in um we've got sort of light touch um self-service what would you call it? I, I, we created like um, basically little self-service training things that they can go through for like how to manage with empathy and how to discuss mental health with your um, with your direct report without it being like a you don't have to be prepared to take on everything that they're feeling or everything, but you should be aware of what they're feeling so that it doesn't mm. come as a surprise. Um, so we've done a lot of things around that as well, which I think has been really helpful for, for direct reports, but also really helpful as a manager to feel like you are more equipped to have that conversation because there's two sides of it, right? There's someone who's being asked in a performance review, how's your mental health? Um, and there's someone who's really nervous about asking the person that they're working with how they're feeling and who maybe doesn't feel like they're equipped to have a conversation and doesn't want to do any damage, but doesn't know how to approach it. So I think that's been something we've really tried to focus on over the last, yeah, probably six to nine months. It's been mm. a huge thing for Pelego. <laughs> no, it's really cool. And I think it's really interesting and a really important lesson for people listening is, you know, as we're starting to peel back the kind of the layers, there's there's so much more that you're doing than just a tea and talk once a year or yeah. launching spill or, you know, someone sharing their personal story. You know, you're now diving deeper into like, the way managers are managing and performance reviews and feedback and everything else which is what a lot of people forget when it comes to mental health and well-being in organizations I feel um if you don't mind because I know we spoke about this a little bit when we caught up beforehand like personal experience I think you know I think we all agreed that it's a really important part of tackling stigma and culture so you know firstly how important is personal experience and getting people to share openly been within the organization and then secondly I would say has there been any downsides? Like you've already mentioned like triggers and, you know, boundaries, et cetera. Um, how can an organization get people sharing personally, but do it in, in the right way? Um, so I'm going to touch on something that is very close to my heart. Um, and we, I think, yeah, it was, it was for World Mental Health Day um, that I believe was in October um, last year. We decided to um, set up a panel discussion um, with volunteers from within the company and then a kind of a guest speaker who um from our understanding had some was doing some mental health advocacy within the business world um and he was actually i think the the ex-ceo and founder of monzo um and he'd it was it was in the news that he'd um ended up he'd stepped down um as ceo because um of burnout and and sort of anxiety and so we thought that would be number one a way to really engage people to to, to come and watch the the panel but also to get uh, an external insight as well um, as kind of like the, the internal company perspectives um, and it was just incredible like 
I, I can't really um, exp express how, how, how sort of heartfelt it was, but we, we did a bit of an outreach to, to get the volunteers. And again, it was, it tended to be people that were kind of already a little bit open about mental health or, or already part of the squad, but I, I tried my best to, to, to give people that don't usually get a chance to speak a platform. Um, and I was, I sort of mediated the discussion and we had a few pre-agreed pre questions and we, I knew that who specifically to direct them to, but it, it ended up flowing very naturally. And it, I think once one person kind of opened up about their experiences, everyone else felt comfortable doing it. And the feedback we got afterwards was just phenomenal. Um, everyone was sort of obviously saying thank you and that they really appreciated that people were so genuine and, and really let their guards down. And I think that, was probably one of the defining moments in in kind of the openness within the company. I think since then I've definitely seen more of a, a willingness to to share and to kind of people really looking out for each other. Um, so that was yeah for me kind of one of the the best things that we've done. Um, the flip side of that being as I was saying to Ellie earlier, I was so invested in it that I ended up getting pretty stressed trying to organise it because I I wanted it to go well. Um, and I guess that's that's the downside of of caring a lot and trying to implement these initiatives in in a culture that by nature of it being a workplace is is a little bit resistant to to sort of mental health and, and those kind of discussions so I think you do have to be a little careful about looking out for yourself um, and ensuring that you're not giving too much um, for in order to, to help other and obviously you want to help others but it's if it's at the detriment to yourself then you're not actually taking your own advice and you need to be setting a good example if you're encouraging people to have better work-life balance and then you're sitting at your laptop at nine o'clock then it just looks like lip service so um yeah like you were saying um Paul it's it's about um knowing when to stop and when to to pass that on to the the professionals yeah it's really it's, it's a really good thing to hear Ellie have you got anything to add to that yeah, I think, I mean, I would agree with Lucy. I think that was definitely a huge, a huge turning point within kind of the, the company as a whole. And I think one of the great things about having um, quite a senior and influential uh, guest speaker was that it really resonated, obviously, with kind of maybe more of the senior leadership in the company who probably don't have <laughs> that much time to, to invest or to think about these things. Um, but it also really helped that we did have... Um, at least one quite senior member of our own team open up and, and become, well, be very vulnerable with us as well. And I think it's amazing to have anyone in the company trying to create the space for these conversations, but obviously having people who have more of that um, like perceived power really advocating for this and, and making space for it, it really does, um, I think, lend itself to, to more openness across the whole company. Like there is definitely like now much more of a vibe that it's okay to talk about these things and I think yeah I think that was a really nice nice part of it as well yeah I love that there's so much there as well because like panels work really well because mm -hmm. you know as you said there I mean I've, I've been on panels before where you can get an external speaker to come in and you know they tell their story every day of the week right and they're external to the business so they're going to have an impact but 
if you've then got them alongside your fellow colleagues, mm. it's incredible, like the impact. And I always sort of not downplay what I do, but I say, put me on a panel with some of the, some of your colleagues and it will be incredible because yeah. they'll be listening to someone and think, I didn't know they experienced that. I didn't know they went through yeah. that. And and as, as you said, it's just facilitating that conversation, whether it's, you know, in that case, the, the ex-CEO of, of, of Monzo, like sharing vulnerably first, you know, you facilitating it, engaging in those conversations it's incredible but I also think a lot of people struggle with engagement on webinars and sessions like that and what you've just said in terms of like having senior people on there is so so important because firstly like we we had one of our clients that started to really sort of make sure managers were saying look just just spend an hour of your day please to just join this webinar and encourage your team to join it and if you're a manager who manages 15 people 10 people mm. and I say guys look I'm having this hour out to like join this webinar I think you should too as well then they do but if yeah. I'm a manager and I'm not even joining it and I'm staying busy, then everyone else kind of does that as well. So they saw this huge, huge rise in engagement of sessions when they really sort of challenged their managers and senior leaders to take an hour out of their day to, to attend these sessions. So I think there's, as you say, sometimes we over we overcomplicate um, this yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, and yeah, it's incredible like, to hear what you're doing. And I, I think it, it goes back to what I was saying about trying to encourage people that aren't seen as kind of mm. a, a champion for mental health to talk about mental health mm. because if the same people are talking mm. about it all the time people might get to the point where they're kind of rolling their eyes like yeah yeah like we get it you <laughs> you support mental health whereas actually if your CEO and our CEO is, is very good at reiterating that spills there and we want you to 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 get therapy on the company's like sort of as a thanks in the company or mm. very good at, at making sure that he's being seen to to support um mental health initiatives so it's yeah. it's yeah it's about leading by example and also ensuring that it's not the same people that are kind of promoting um these mm. discussions for mm. sure i'm conscious of time and this normally lasts half an hour but we've been talking and talking and talking because <laughs> i could talk for more and more um two more questions if you don't mind which i'll direct to both of you um firstly I'm start with you, Ellie. What do you hope to see in the future of workplace mental health? Like, what would you like to Ooh, see? That's a great question. I think um, what I would love to see is the continuation of kind of those barriers coming down. I think, um, I think as you said before, like there always will be a level of of sort of lessened vulnerability, shall we say, within the workplace because of the nature of where you are, and also because we do want to save more for the the people we love outside of work. Um, but I would love to see more of that kind of destigmatization. I think as well, flexi <clears throat> sorry, flexibility and continued flexibility of working really, I hope will continue forever um, because I think it's an amazing way for people to be able to continue to be productive without feeling that they're like obligated to be somewhere and without putting themselves under that pressure. Um, and it also, yeah, it just gives people the space to kind of operate as they need to when they're when they are maybe suffering more. So those are things that I really, really hope to see. I think, yeah, within Pelago specifically, there's a few things I can't talk about right now because they're literally being announced on Monday. Um, but there's a few things that we are trying to do um, more of. And, you know, we, we recently trialed an amazing coaching service. And I think that's a, a really great way to give people more um of a professional, shall we say, like uh, a more of a professional um, place to, to grow and to develop and to remove some of the anxieties and stresses that they might be feeling without 
them going to therapy as well. So yeah, there's heaps, <laughs> so much I want, but flexibility and destigmatization are my big ones. Nice. I like that. I like that. How about you, Lucy? So in very similar to what Ali was saying about flexibility and it giving people the space to, to work um, according to their needs um, and, and their schedule, um, I think normalizing taking mental health days um, yeah. would be incredible to see. Um, we have like a quota of sick days we're allowed to take per year, but what happens when you're having a really bad day in terms of your mental health? What happens if you've you've just lost someone or actually your anxiety's through the roof and just because it's not a physical ailment doesn't mean that we still don't need to take space and time for ourselves so I think having something in company policy or something in law that states that mental health days count sick days I think that would be sort of groundbreaking really mm, yeah I love that Really good stuff. I'm going to ask you one more question, one final question, and I haven't prepped you for this, so I apologize. Um, <laughs> but if possible, we, we call this the just one thing concept. Um, can you please share one piece of advice that you was given in the past that has resonated the most with you? So a piece of advice that's kind of stuck with you the most. I'm not going to ask whoever wants to jump in first, whoever's got it, feel free to step in. Does it have to be to do with mental health? No, anything, anything. This is really difficult. <laughs> it is difficult. It is difficult. I think probably that you are your own worst enemy. Um, I have insanely high expectations of myself. And actually, that's not what other people, it's not, it's not reflective of the expectations that other people have of me. Um, so probably... Mm -hmm talking is important in terms of like obviously sharing experiences but actually to understand what other how your perception of yourself is different or similar to how other people perceive you um mm. really helps you get out of your own headspace um which can get quite dangerous obviously if you're in a sort of circular circular thought pattern and you're you're kind of spiraling it's, it's really helpful to get an external perspective and someone to say like it, this isn't a big deal it might feel like it is at the time but like take some reflective time, take some space and, and wake up tomorrow and it, it might not seem so bad. So I think, yeah, like you are your own worst enemy and also like be open to discussing and accepting alternative perspectives. Mm, I like amazing, that one. Lucy. Yeah, <laughs> how about you, Ellie? It's a tough act to follow. <laughs> um, someone once said to me, and it sounds a little bit, someone once said to me, um, don't bend until you break. And I think that has been something that has really stuck with me because I'm naturally very much of a, I'm a compromiser and I will always bend first and I will always compromise first when it's, whether it's a friendship or at work or in a relationship, I'll always be the one to kind of try and make the space for someone. And I think that has been very helpful for me to remember because I need to create boundaries and boundaries aren't a bad thing <laughs> and having boundaries means that our relationships can be stronger and better and I can be stronger and better as well and that has yeah that has really stuck with me oh, as wow. well now and also I think it really relates to the whole thing about burnout that people mm. get to a point where they're so far gone because they don't realize that they're burning out so it's yeah, yeah it's about kind of like and, and they said the same thing with therapy as well don't just get don't leave getting therapy to the point where it's so bad that you need therapy get it as like a general sort of checkup um, yeah. So yeah that's that's really 
like fascinating that that's really good really good advice I think like you say both of them are quite similar aren't they it's like mm. you know making sure we set boundaries focus on ourselves a little bit more you know we always put other people's expectations in front of our own um yeah. you know it's I always kind of say in this in some of the sessions that I deliver that it's funny how me spending some time on my own mental health whether it's going for a walk or a run or journaling or going to therapy whatever it is I feel guilty and selfish because I should be mm. spending time with my family I should be working I should be doing this right and all of those feelings happen and I prioritize everyone else in front of my own self but actually as I also sit here however drastic this sounds the biggest threat to me is me because I'm a man of under 45 years old biggest killer of men under 45 is suicide right so it doesn't really add up and and it shows you how as you say the lack of education that we've had and the lack of awareness of how important we actually are to focus on our mental health or we lack that we don't prioritize it enough so I think that's a, a really good sort of um you know that your advice there is really good to especially with a lot of HR professionals that probably listen to this they they put a lot of stuff in front of their own their yeah. own selves yeah I think what you were saying about um feeling guilty for spending the time working on yourself I think it's such a damaging misconception because actually the more that we're able to to mend ourselves and to focus on ourselves we're in a better position to be there to help others and to actually give our genuine full selves and our full energy to the people we love so actually it's, it's a selfless act um to work on yourself before you're able to to be there for someone else amazing i love that um just finally guys where's the best place if people want to connect with you are you both on linkedin you are aren't you is that the best place yeah yes, we're both on linkedin um so we do you want us to we can send over an email yeah yeah we'll put it in the the um show notes and stuff like that but no i just wanted to say thank you so much for your your openness and your honesty in today's um episode but also as well um i think there's a lot of really good advice that people can take away from this like little practical things whether it's a tea and talk or um looking at a network that you can create personal experience a panel there's 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 lots that you've gone through so um from me and the every mind at work team thank you so much for for your time and it's been great to chat today thank you for having us thank you so much for having us sorry lucy <laughs> <laughs> no worries. cheers guys thank you thank you